the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad that you can join me on this, well, a little above freezing Tuesday. Thanks for joining me. This is Gino Geraci. You're listening to Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God. We talk about the Bible. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about world views. We talk about world religions. And we've set aside Tuesday typically to be a day where you can ask your particularly difficult questions. We call it Tough Question Tuesday. Um, You're free to ask me whatever, but that doesn't mean I'm going to know the answer to every question because Quite frankly, to be absolutely honest and candid with you, I don't know the answer to every question, but I will make an effort to help you with your question if you want to join me on the program. It's 303-873-1935, and of course, Producer Jim standing by to take your calls at 303-873-1935. He'll ask you what your question or comment is, and we will make every effort to uh, get your question on the program. It's 303-873-1935. Tough question Tuesday. We've got lots of interesting questions, and I've got one question in mind, too, that I think that you're going to find uh, particularly interesting as we make our way. Um, It's a new question that we posted at gotquestions.org, your questions, biblical answers. But just uh, I had a wonderful uh, telephone conversation today with my friend William Federer, Bill Federer. He's written so many books, including The American Minute, which you know I'm fond of. Those are notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred. And fortunately for the Front Range in Calvary, South Denver, um, he's going to be coming to uh, the Front Range in Calvary, South Denver. He's going to be speaking there in February. I'll give you more information when I have more information. But he writes for January 16th, and I quote, Each year on January 16th, we celebrate Religious Freedom Day in commemoration of the passage of the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. That's what President George W. Bush wrote in his 2003 proclamation, Jefferson's Statue for Religious Freedom, which he commemorated on his tombstone, was passed in 1786 by the Virginia Assembly. In his draft, Jefferson wrote, quote, Almighty God hath created the mind free, and all attempts to influence it by temporal punishments tend only to beget habits of hypocrisy and meanness, and are a departure from the plan of the holy author of religion, who being Lord both of body and mind, yet 
chose not to propagate it by coercions on either, as was in his almighty power to do, but to extend it by its influence on reason alone, unquote. This is Thomas Jefferson's way of saying, God made your brain and your mind and your will, and he gave you the ability to choose or choose otherwise. In his second inaugural address, 1805, Jefferson wrote, quote, In matters of religion, I have considered that its free exercise is placed by the Constitution independent of the powers of the general government, unquote. Now, this is an interesting statement, and I'm going to comment on Bill Federer's uh, American Minute here in, in just a minute. In 1808, Jefferson wrote to Samuel Miller, quote, I consider the government of the United States as prohibited by the Constitution from intermeddling with religious institutions, their doctrines, discipline, or exercises. Every religious society has a right to determine for itself the times for these exercises and the objects proper for them according to their own particular tenets. This was Jefferson's way of saying, the Constitution guarantees you the right of freedom, of religion, and freedom from government interference. So when he wrote in his second inaugural address in 1805, when he wrote, quote, in matters of religion... I have considered that its free exercise is placed by the Constitution independent of the powers of the general government. It's his way of saying the Constitution guarantees religious freedom, and religious freedom can't be usurped by the government. Now, probably one of the greatest, one of the greatest... um, Attacks on religious freedom took place during the COVID lockdowns. And it's interesting to me that the government used a pandemic as a pretext for shutting down churches. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that in the event of a nuclear attack or a uh, a genuine flesh-eating Ebola virus, so, so what that that, that the government shouldn't take appropriate steps to try and preserve order and life. But what happened was the government exaggerated. COVID, and exaggerated um, its response. So back to a different kind of a question, and that is, is freedom of religion a biblical concept? Now, we know it is a, I'm going to use the term, it is a political concept rooted in American history, constitutionally protected. 
But is freedom of religion a biblical concept? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. And the First Amendment of the United States Constitution says, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, pause and think about that. When the writers of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, what they meant was establishing a national religion like England has the Church of England or perhaps Spain has the Roman Catholic Church or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, what it had in mind was the free exercise of religion. But typically when the framers of the Constitution were talking about religion, in their mind they're thinking the Christian religion. And ever since the Bill of Rights was ratified, Americans have enjoyed religious freedom. There have been moments of usurpation. But the Constitution still guarantees it. I'll be back with more. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program I've been talking about. The concept of freedom of religion today, of course, marks uh, the celebration of freedom of religion. Now, we live in a culture and a society, there is a growing animosity and a willingness to um, promote freedom from religion. But again, when the, when, uh, the Constitution and the Founding Fathers were using the term religion, they typically had in their mind not some vague philosophical concept of the right to believe whatever you want, but rather they were thinking about the Christian religion. And so our Constitution guarantees the free observance of religion and prevents the government from ever establishing a state church. Now, what's interesting to me is that if there ever was a state church, there seems to be a massive, massive leaning towards ideological social justice and philosophical materialism. So Thomas Jefferson called religious freedom the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. So the big question, of course, was Jefferson right? Is freedom of religion a divine right? Is it biblical? So under the Mosaic law, Israel oper operated under a theocracy. The nation's success or failure depended on their degree of obedience to God. 
So religious freedom was not a part of the Old Testament system because God ruled over Israel directly. And of course, Israel's theocracy was not intended to be a government model for the rest of the world. And that's the great big idea. For some, imagine they fall into two camps. Those who believe Israel's theocracy was in fact intended to be a government model for the rest of the world and those who don't believe it. I happen to be one of the people who believes that Israel's model of theocracy was not intended to be a government model for the rest of the world, but I am of the opinion that there will be a global governance one day under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I really do believe that Jesus will return literally, physically, bodily to the planet Earth. He will establish a rule and a reign. He will model that rule and reign according to his own will. Will it be a benign theocracy? Will it be a benign monarchy? I'm willing to suggest to you that Jesus will be both King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It won't be a representative government, but rather the Lord Jesus Christ will be both King and Lord over the nations. But back to the here and now. Nations which have imposed a kind of self-styled theocracy, such as medieval Spain, have produced totalitarian nightmares. Other kinds of world religions that have established self-styled theocracies, such as Islam, have also created totalitarian nightmares. Atheistic institutions like socialism have created totalitarian nightmares. In Spain, the religious intolerance of the Inquisition was not the product of biblical Christianity or even of true theocracy. It was the result of a power-hungry, sinful human constituency. In other words, Lord Acton was right when he said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So in the New Testament, we have a clear picture of the God-ordained role of government. In Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, it delineates the government's responsibilities, which are quite simply, to punish evil deeds, reward good deeds, and render justice. So if we're going to put Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4 um, into a sort of a pithy little statement, it would be government exists to promote that which is righteous and to prevent that which is wicked. Paul's exact words in Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4 are... For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? 
then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God or avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So government exists to promote which is what's right, to prevent what is wrong. And when Paul penned those words in Rome, of Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, it was about 56 or 57 A.D. He's writing from the comfort of Corinth, and it just so happens that Nero is the emperor of the Roman Empire when Paul writes those words. So, the, so according to Paul, God has has given the government certain duties, but enforcing a particular system of worship isn't among them. So there's no conflict between biblical principles and the civic principle of religious freedom. In fact, it's precisely because the United States was founded on biblical principles that religious freedom exists. Only governments rooted in a Judeo-Christian value allow such broad freedom. When we look at Islamic countries, when we look at Hindu nationalism and Buddhist governments, they don't allow religious freedom. Therefore, such countries like Pakistan, India, and Tibet are by and large intolerant of other religions. Atheistic governments, like the former Soviet Union, like North Korea, like China, have also proved to be antagonistic toward free religious expression. So the concept of the freedom of religion is biblical, I'm going to suggest to you, for several reasons. Number one, because God himself extends a kind of freedom of religion to people. In what sense? Well, the Bible gives several examples. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 23, you'll remember the story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, and after a brief conversation, the young man, it says, went away sorrowful, choosing not to follow Christ. One of the salient points is that Jesus let him go. God doesn't force, compel, manipulate. It's interesting to me, I was listening to a person who happened to um, witness to a professor at the University of Long Beach. And during the course of the conversation, the professor um, apologized to the Christian because he said, you know, I just saw you like my father who was trying to shove Christianity down my throat. Now, again, real Christianity doesn't shove it down anybody's throat. Faith is commanded, but it's never coerced. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus expresses his desire to gather the children of Jerusalem to himself. But according to Jesus himself, 
they weren't willing. So if God gives men the freedom to choose to reject him, then so should we. But there is more. Hey, if you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. Gina Geraci, so glad you could join me. I've been talking a little bit about the freedom of religion and, and whether or not it's a biblical concept. And, of course, choice is a biblical concept, and direction is a biblical concept. And, of course, we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, there's pain, there's heartache, and sometimes people make bad choices. But speaking of that, you can make a really good choice right now to get lasting relief from that awful joint pain for 2024. You don't have to go another year compromising because of that pain in your knee or shoulder. You can call QC Kinetics right now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative, non-surgical pain relief. Your body has what it needs to restore and repair that damaged joint tissue. And QC Kinetics can make it happen with no drugs, no surgery, no downtime. And so the future of pain treatments has arrived in QCS tens of thousands of satisfied patients all over America. People with back pain, hip pain, any pain associated with arthritis, and make no mistake about it, I know about arthritis and I know about injury. And what's really different about QC Kinetics, it's not a Band-Aid, it's not superficial, it is a revolutionary treatment that can get you moving again. You can get your life back, and listen, it's non-surgical. So if this is the year that you decide to fight back against that pain, take that first step, call QC Kinetics, get a consultation on the calendar right now, 303-900-8986, that's 303-900-8986. And, uh, you know, when it gets cold like it's cold now, I can really feel that titanium joint in my knee. And so, again, I'm looking forward to uh, to QC Kinetics treatment. 303-873-1935 is my number if you want to join me on the program. I've been talking about, again, whether or not Freedom of religion is a biblical concept. And I pointed out earlier that the concept of freedom in a, in a kind of a constitutional setting right now um, is, I think, in principle talked about in the New Testament. And I, I pointed out the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and after a brief conversation um The rich young ruler goes away sorrowful. He's not going to choose to follow Christ. Jesus basically says, sell what you've got, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it says he went away sorrowful. And so what's important, at least about that particular point as it relates to religious freedom, is that Jesus didn't force him, manipulate him, compel him, coerce him. So forcible, manipulative, coercive, um, I'm going to use the term conversion, isn't what biblical Christianity is all about. 
if God gives human beings the freedom to choose or choose to reject him, then we should honor that. So the second thing is the freedom of religion respects the image of God in man. In what sense? You'll remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Lord says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So part of image bearing or what the church fathers called the imago Dei, what it means to be made in the image of God, part of that is volition. That is the ability to choose or choose otherwise. And so God respects our choices in that he gives us the freedom to make decisions regarding our future. And then there are consequences for those decisions. You know, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, he's talking about the Jordan, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So if God allows us to choose, we should allow others to choose. And so again, you have this issue. Jesus himself exercises, well, allows people to make the choice. And the next thing is that the freedom of religion acknowledges that it's the Holy Spirit who changes the heart. It's not the government. In John chapter 6, verse 63 Um, John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Can a person choose to save themselves? No. Only Jesus saves. So to take away the freedom of religion is to empower human government with its fallible rulers to determine the eternal destiny of every soul. But Christ's kingdom isn't of this world. In John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews but my kingdom is not from the world. So the way I would think about that passage, when Jesus says that and responds to the the government that's getting ready to execute him, it isn't always going to be that way. Jesus' kingdom will be of this world sometime in the future. But that future is when he returns and when he establishes his kingdom on his terms. 
And so no one becomes a Christian by government fiat. In other words, when the powers that be said, they wave a governmental wand and they say, you're all Christians or you're all not Christians. We're made Christians by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, when he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that, not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what the government does or doesn't do has no relation to the new birth. And so in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, you'll remember John said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then again in chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. In what sense? The wind is invisible, but you can see the consequences of the wind as it presses against the trees. And of course, the freedom of religion concedes that in the final analysis, it's not about religion. It's about relationship entered into willingly, lovingly, and permanently. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. If you want to join me on the program, it's Tough Question Tuesday. You can call 303-873-1935, 303 873-1935. And of course, Jim Dennison at the Dennison Forum. Um, and also at ChristianHeadlines.com is, is reporting several things that you already know, including the fact that Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses last night. And of course, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley came in second and third. Tragically, Nikki Haley misspoke. She said uh, that the Republican nomination has come down to a two-man race. Um, I think whoever wrote her speech probably thought that she was going to come in second, but they didn't uh, change the speech. So I don't know uh, if she just misspoke. Um, but Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race and endorsed the former president. And... Um, Again, Jim Dennison at the Dennison Forum has some interesting things to say. He says, quote, um, he says, it's too soon to know what this means for the larger presidential campaign. And then he points out some of the history of the Iowa caucus. 
He says, Iowa Republicans selected Mike Huckabee in 2008. He, of course, lost. Rick Santorum in 2012. Ted Cruz in 2016. None of them went on to win the presidential nomination. By contrast, Ronald Reagan lost Iowa in 1980, but won the election. George H.W. Bush did the same in 1988 and Donald Trump in 2016. So the larger state of U.S. politics is in question as well. And according to Pew Research Center, just 4% of Americans say the political system is working extremely well or very well. Pause and think about what Pew Research has found. 4% of Americans say the political system is working extremely well or very well. That means 96% of the people think something is broken and something is wrong. Just 16% say they trust the federal government always or most of the time. 65% say they always or often feel exhausted when thinking about politics. Just 10% say they always or often feel hopeful. Now I'm wondering if Pew Research called you up and asked you that question. How do you feel about the political landscape? And then he goes on and he says, quote, while Iowans were braving the cold, the 75th annual Emmy Awards, <laughs> I said enemy, Emmy Awards aired last night as Succession and the Bear each took home six awards. At least we think they did, since we now know that ESPN employed a fraudulent scheme in recent years to acquire more than 30 enemy, em, enemies, Emmys for sportscasters who were ineligible to receive them were left to wonder. And so Jim Dennison asks, of course, the Tough Question Tuesday Tough, tough question. How fully do you trust our political system, institutions, and leaders? I think the way that I would answer that question is that I would say the political system incorporates historically a constitution and rule by law. And I absolutely trust that the founding fathers knew that there is no such thing as a perfect political system, but that the one that they gave us with a constitution was the best that anyone had ever seen. And when you talk about institutions, are we talking about Congress? Are we talking about the institution of the presidency? Are we talking about the judicial system? Are we talking about the educational system? We now know that the educational system is deeply, deeply troubled. He asks the question, how much do you trust when you, what you see reported by the media? 
And then Jim Dennison said, quote, and I'm quoting him from ChristianHeadlines.com, I often say that God redeems all he allows. How could he redeem our crisis in cultural confidence? And then he quotes Jonah Goldberg, who describes our post-truth society. He says, quote, certainty is impossible folly. Knowledge isn't about facts, but perspective. What we think are truths or truths with a capital T are really plot points in stories we tell to ourselves. Ideals are really just instruments for attaining or maintaining power. Morality is made, not discovered. All truth is contextual. All ideals are instruments. The only thing that is real, that is real enough, is what you accomplish with will. Now, obviously, Jim Dennison points out that Goldberg disagrees with what he describes, but I consider his cultural depiction to be tragically accurate. In other words, he doesn't believe that certainty is is, is an impossible folly, that knowledge is about facts, and that there is such a thing as truth with a capital T. He says, quote, it's an absolute and ironically contradictory truth claim of our postmodern society that all truth claims are subjective. Goldberg refutes this claim well. He says, quote, slavery is bad. Rape is bad. Cruelty for its own sake is evil. Liberty and the rule of law are good. Now, I believe these and similar things as matters of cap, both capital T and lowercase t truth. But even if these are only lowercase truths, he's quoting Jonah Goldberg, remember, or even personal truths, they can be defended with reason, facts, data, and appeal, appeals to rightly formed consciences. In other words, even if all standards and ideals are in some sense socially constructed, that doesn't mean that all social constructions are morally or empirically equal. The Taj Mahal is constructed, and so is a balsa wood outhouse. We can value one more than the other. The right to a fair trial is a social construct, and so is child sacrifice. I'm happy to privilege the former over the matter, latter, unquote. It's interesting that he points out the Taj Mahal. Because the Taj Mahal, point of fact, was made to be occupied as a mausoleum. It's a tribute of a Muslim mogul emperor to his dead wife. So... Interesting. If you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I'll be back, hopefully, taking your calls, answering your questions. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.